We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helpin. Hi, everybody. It's John Halpin. Welcome to the August 16th episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Today's guest is my colleague. We're crossing podcast streams, Joe Pisapia, owner of the Fantasy Black Book Series. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing great, man. It's good to chat with you as always and uh, excited here. We're getting ever closer to football season, inching closer to uh, the big draft weekend, too, as we're getting closer and closer. So this is it, baby. This is peak time. Let's do it. Yeah. Next two weekends are big on drafts. Huge. Huge. Terrific. um, Enormous. I'm ready. I have one Saturday night and I start uh, an MFL with my buddies on Friday. That's going to be a, you know, slow draft. So my draft season is, I mean, I did one up until now, and of course, a bunch of mocks. So, um, yeah, so, so here's this report that I saw that if you want to dig deep, everybody, here's one um, report out of Jacksonville. DJ Chark has been one of the stars of their camp. So you look at the Jags, right? And you go, oh, DJ Chark, that's an interesting nugget. And you go, all right, this is a team that if they could run the ball a thousand times a game, they would. <laughs> DJ Chark is standing out, but you have... Well, you have Marquise Lee and you have Keelan Cole who played real well down the stretch and D.D. Westbrook, boy, he was nice. And they signed Dante Moncrief and you go, how many, is there even one viable receiver on the Jacksonville roster? Is there, would you draft, if you're going to draft one of them late and none of them's going to cost you a lot, who would you take? Oh, well, first off, let's talk about Shark because I love those LSU kids, man. Whether it's the Landry's and Odell's or, you know, whatever it is, those, those guys have, they have a great system over there of scouting guys, wide receivers who have great hands. You know, and I think that's something that you when you look at certain football factories out there in college, I'm not the biggest college football guy. I wish I was. I wish I got to watch more of it, but I'm always working on Saturday. So I always miss all the games, which sucks. Like for the last decade, I've missed so much college football. But uh, when you go back and you look at highlight film of the kid, you know, it's another one of these guys in that mold where you go, man, this guy's got a ton of talent and it maybe didn't get enough press that he might have deserved. But uh, to me, that's a fascinating little dynasty play too if you're in you know first year rookie drafts and things like that of a guy you want to throw some some dollars on or a guy you want to pick up in a draft late because I do think there's talent there the trouble with all these guys 
is the same thing it comes back to, which is what you pointed out. What do they want to do? They want to play defense. They want to run the ball. That's the formula for Jacksonville to succeed. And Blake Bortles, although he did play better in the second half of last year, and although he has been useful as a fantasy quarterback at times in his career, the problem we hit, John, is that he's just one of these guys that constantly underwhelms you as a real-life quarterback. So it's difficult to make any of these guys elevated in terms of really into the fantasy consciousness. But if I have to pick one, it's Marquise Lee. I think he has the best rapport with Marquise Lee. I think Lee's the guy that certainly all of them in terms of value of ADP are, are right there for you. That's not a problem at all. But Lee, I think, has the most opportunity. He was in the 700-yard range last year, and he did miss some time also. So I think a good year out of him would be probably just under or around 900 yards with, uh, you know, maybe four or five touchdowns. I think that's certainly within his realm. The trouble is, too, how this offense runs. And and when you're thinking about that, and in terms of a deeper league, yeah, a guy like Lee's uh, an interesting one. Westbrook has a lot of talent. Cole did show some moments. But, uh, you know, for me, it's about what kind of offense. I don't mind taking guys on lesser teams. I don't mind taking the ones and twos on lesser teams. The trouble is, too, how often are they behind in games and how much garbage time is there and how much – and that's where Blake Bortles made his hay with Hearns and Robinson those right. years, those garbage time moments that he had. And I don't see that happening for Jacksonville. Jacksonville is going to be a team playing a lot of tight games with that defense. And because the offense isn't great, they're going to be you know close games for the most part. So Lee's the one of this group that I want the most, but certainly Shark is a guy that I think certainly should warrant your attention in Dynasty and deeper formats too – you know, he's got good punt return skills, too. And if he does get that gig, that's something to keep in mind if you have that kind of scoring in your league. All right. And, and Char- he he was a second round pick. So this is not some throwaway guy. Oh, not at all. Popped up. Not at all. But certainly didn't get the same buzz as a Ridley or a Moore or some of those other dudes did. Right. Um, yeah. DJ Moore, Carolina, everybody look out. Yeah, I know. That's your, that's your boys. That's your, your Carolina boys. Hey, he's got talent. But what does it come down to? That same thing. Can Cam Newton make him fantasy yes. relevant? You, you, know, you know, I've, I've become that. The person I never thought I would be. The two-team guy. <laughs> Haven't we all, John? Haven't we all? <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up watching the Giant. You know, my, my dad went to the, you know, the Alan Amici game in 1958. And I grew up, okay. you know, the Giants were in my blood. But I moved to Charlotte 14 years ago and I've been telling my kids since I lived here, you know, you should be Panthers fans. This is your team here. And, and I do some work for them. So it's hard not to root for them. So I sort of straddle the fence a little bit. So it's weird because I always said, oh, you can't trust people to root for more than one team. But I kind of do now. Well, I can understand that. And as you get older, the, the hard part is, and I remember, I think it was, I'm not sure it was Ken Rosenthal or another one of the, you know, the big baseball writers. Actually, it was Tom Verducci. That's who it was. Tom Verducci, I remember, said, the more you cover sports, the more you lose your fandom. Yep. And what happens is, I, I think to all of us, you know, you start to detach a little bit. And I, I understand that. It's happened to me in baseball, and maybe it's because the Mets have been so dysfunctional <laughs> over the years. But uh, I, I'm with my kids, you know, I'm a Patriots fan too, and I have been before the bandwagon Brady years. I've, I've been, I lost Super Bowls before I won them. But you're right. You know, I think when you when your kids are around, you start to re-energize in that sense when they get excited about sports and you want to experience it with them. So if they're excited about a team or a player or whatever it is, you get excited. And I think, you know, my kids have been excited about the Patriots because they see them winning and that's exciting to them. And, you know, Tom Brady and, you know, Julian Edelman's cute. You know, that's the happening. Right. You know, the little girls, they like the Julian Edelman, you know, and the, and the older <laughs> girls, apparently. Right. So I've heard. <laughs> but yeah, you, so, but so the I've other heard. thing now, so my son, who's 10... And folks, I promise we'll get to fantasy in a second. Um, he he's a Chargers fan now, and he has a big Joey Boza fathead in his room. Like, nice. I have no idea where that came from. Uh, you know, and and that happens sometimes. You get the kids with the one offs who just love a team, and and they have that you know that that thing, and and that's fine too. Whatever it is, you know, if they get into a sport, and that's great. And if they don't, that's fine too. It's 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 the people who force things down their throats. And I understand culturally too. And you live in a, you know you grew up in Pittsburgh. It's kind of tough to have the Joey Bosa fathead. You know what I mean? Right. When you're growing up in the Pittsburgh area, some spots are like religion when it comes to football. You know, so that's that's a tougher one. But you know, when your kids are starting to get into it, it, it kind of re-energizes you as a fan and takes a little bit of this analysis stuff that we do so much you know, for a living, and it kind of puts it in its place again. And you kind of remember why you started in the first place, loving it. Absolutely. All right, 
Let's move on. We'll get to the fantasy football now, folks. Thanks for indulging us with that chat. Oh, come on. You guys love it. Don't, yeah. don't pretend like you don't love this stuff. You do. <laughs> um, if you want to reach us on Twitter, first of all, Joe is at JoePizzaPF17. I'm at jhopin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. Um, get player updates at Rotowire NFL. And you can always find us on Facebook. Okay. What we're going to do today, uh, it's a little less structured than I normally do. Normally, I pepper people with questions. Like, what do you, this guy or this guy? And, you know, let's talk about that guy. Well, what I want to do is, is kind of generally talk about, since people have drafts coming up this weekend and next weekend, like, we, like you said, guys you're targeting. And, and what I want to do is go through ranges of, you know, an area of, I mean, we're going to use ADP as a guide again. It's not the end all be all, but it helps. Go through ranges of people and say, you know, in that range of maybe six or seven players, I kind of would like to get that guy in this round. Um, let's start at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I've talked, I talk with everybody about, and the, the phrase I always use is when people like us who do what we do get in a draft or a mock draft, it's a staring contest to see who can be the longest to wait on a quarterback. You know, yeah, pretty much. In the industry's drafts, yes, that's yes. what happened. Um, that doesn't work that way for everybody. I mean, most you're in your home league and people are, you know, someone's drafting Aaron Rodgers in the first round. It happens. Um, so you're up at the top, let's say. Mm-hmm. Who do you like? I mean, let's just look at the top 10. I mean, you know, you want Aaron Rodgers. That's fine, but he's going to cost you. Deshaun Watson, I think it's some speculation, and that's going to cost you. Who in the top 10 do you, if you say, you know, the value, what I'm seeing out of that guy's value, I would love to walk away with him. Well, ironically, it's the guys outside the top 10 that I think in terms of return on investment are the best. But yep. to answer your question in the top 10, this is this is the work I do. In the Fantasy Black Book, relative position value is the system I use where it compares the QB1, the 12 QB1s to each other. So you know exactly how much better they are. And the funny thing is, when the reason why in the industry that there's that 10, well, you only have to start one quarterback, so you're going to wait on them. It's because Aaron Rodgers is a plus 7%. That's it. He's single digits over the middle of the pack QB1, which is somebody like Ben Roethlisberger, who is your fantasy league average quarterback in terms of productivity year over year. And that, to me, where you're not getting a huge advantage, there's no reason to reach for that advantage. And what you're going to notice is in your home leagues, people will reach for quarterback early, and they will go early for those big-name players. So that is a, a big opportunity for you out there to get more running back and wide receiver depth. You go hit those positions hard because in single one-quarterback leagues, when you can get a Roethlisberger or a Stafford or a Rivers or a Cousins later, that's the way to go. Uh, for me, though, if I'm going to spend for somebody at the top, which is something that I absolutely do in Superflex and two quarterback, but in certain formats, too, where there's big bonuses, I could I could look for it. I think Russell Wilson is his team's offense. Okay. Uh, and I just finished up the Superflex uh, draft for the Flex Leagues that Jake Seeley runs this past weekend, and I was the one pick overall. And I got him at the turn uh, at the third round. So I took Lev Bell first, and then when it came back to me, I took Mixon and then Russell Wilson because Aaron Rodgers went the pick before. So I'd rather be at the top in a two-quarterback league or super flex league of the quarterbacks because I want a QB1 high end, and then I want a QB1 as my QB2 or super flex guy because that's how you create an advantage. And the nice thing about quarterback is you do know there's going to be a volume every week. To me, in terms of return on investment in the top 10, I think Kirk Cousins is the guy. Some people will argue, well, you've got the defense there, so he's not going to be throwing the ball as much. To me... I think he's going to be throwing the ball a ton. He's got incredible weapons there. He's finally got a running game with Dalvin Cook. Uh, To me, this is a no-brainer here because I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove he's more than just a franchise tag guy. And on top of that, I don't think there's a pressure on him to make the same kind of forced throws that he used to make in Washington where he felt like he had to try to make every play all the time. That defense puts him in a spot where he doesn't have to be that guy anymore. And I think some better decisions and a more efficient Kirk Cousins will be an equally more productive one. So to me in the top 10, Kirk Cousins is a great return on investment. Okay. And Cousins, uh, again, we're using fantasy football calculator for today's ADP. He is... 8-3. 8-3. Okay. Oh, well, in the half PPR anyway. That's right. what I brought up. So okay, so I split the difference. That's like you know, that's that's your, that's your independent thinking people, right? <laughs> Does it worry you at all that with Dalvin Cook back? I mean, I agree. I'm a big Kirk Cousins fan. I think the receivers are terrific. I think Kyle Rudolph doesn't get enough credit. Absolutely. Does it worry you all at all that Dalvin Cook? They showed a very quick uh, tendency to run Dalvin Cook as much as he could handle. 
Like, I mean, literally in his, in his third well, game. Well, that's first also Case Keenum and Sam Bradford were quarterback. I think that's going to be – and okay. he's also coming off an ACL. So I think, especially in the early going, you're going to see Kirk Cousins continue to filter this offense, and it's going to go through him even more than Dalvin Cook in the early going. Now, that might change as the years goes on a little bit, but I understand what you're saying. But to me, you just mentioned all those weapons and Cook being one of them who can catch the ball out of the yeah. backfield as well. It's it's just it's so many opportunities for him and and maybe he doesn't have as many 300 yard games or whatever. But I, I think in terms of touchdowns and in terms of weapons and, uh, you know, he's just in such a good spot to succeed for me. OK. OK. Now you said there's value outside the top 10. Oh, yeah. Who's your favorite value outside the top 10? Well, outside of this top 10 that you've given me here, it's it's Philip Rivers, who every year throws for 4,000 yards and 25 to 30 touchdowns. And it's Ben Roethlisberger, who last year I was a little hesitant on because <clears throat> that three-year trend of him playing just absolutely dreadful football on the road was a strong trend. Last year, he was able to reverse that finally. So that was a long time coming. But, you know, the thing to me that I laugh about is I, you see guys like Stafford, Rivers, Roethlisberger. These are guys you can all get by with, and if you have a built-up advantage at running back and wide receiver, you have really strong folks there. These guys are going to have strong QB1 performances. Are they going to have you know, some of those Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers type games? No, not necessarily, but those are the kind of games you want out of your big running backs. You're going to have those big, you know, it's how you construct your roster, and I think the thing that I scratch my head with is everybody all of a sudden back on the Andrew Luck bandwagon. Okay, well, he hasn't played football in quite a long time, and that offensive line still sucks last time I checked. <laughs> or the people on the Jimmy Garoppolo bandwagon, which Ugh. I know I, I am Italian. I, I support my people. <laughs> but at the same time, look, let's be honest. It was a couple games at the end of the year, and the two best games were against two playoff teams who had could care less that they were in San Francisco playing that game, were completely looking ahead. And he played well in those games. Let's see now what he does when everybody's ready and everyone's got the film and everyone goes, okay, now we got to take you seriously. And I like Garoppolo, but this this idea of thrusting him into this top 10 over guys like Rivers and Roethlisberger, who are doing it every year. And I'll tell you what, Derek Goff doesn't get enough credit for how well he played last year. And, and if I was in a two-quarterback super flex spot too, that's a guy that I would absolutely be targeting as my second quarterback. I think he had a very good year. All right. Um, let's go to running back. Let's do it. Okay. So at the top, give me your order, the top four. What's your order? Uh, you know me. I'm Mr. Blackbook, so it all depends on, on format. But if you're just going to split the difference again, we'll, you know, we'll make everybody unhappy in just a half PPR. I still go Lev Bell 1 uh, because I think this year he gets run into the ground. I think he's, he sees money at the end of this tunnel, and yeah, he's holding out now and whatever. But they're going to run him into the ground. He's going to run himself into the ground. So give me Lev Bell 1. Uh, I was the guy last year in August saying Todd Gurley is going to be fantasy MVP, and I was laughed out of the building. Now who's laughing? <laughs> now who's laughing? Uh, you know, we just have short memories, you know? Like, the talent didn't change. Jeff Fisher is just a nightmare. Uh, but I would take Todd Gurley, two. Uh, I would take Ezekiel Elliott, three. And four for me is still David Johnson. And And it's not a knock on David Johnson. It's just the other three guys are, I think, in better situations there. And with that quarterback position in flux – over in Arizona and some line issues there. I'm worried that line in Dallas is still pretty damn good. And in a standard league, if you wanted to bump Zeke up to number two, I understand that too. Cause I think if you go back and look at his rookie year game log, John, mm-hmm. my God, that game log is impressive. You're seeing over a hundred yards, almost every game. It is, it's a staggering thing. And again, let's not just look at last year, go back, look at track record of players and the way they get used. And this year, I think he's just going to be an absolute beast, but that's my, Half PPR, split the difference, cumulative ranking of the four. Zeke was, I, I mean, 24 carries a game last year. Uh, and you know, what, you know what knocks me out? People say, well, Prescott had a bad year. Well, go look at the split of Prescott with Zeke and without Zeke because it, it's, a, it's a fascinating difference. I mean, without Zeke, I think I have it here. Hold on. I'm going to pull up some black book stuff for you. All right. So he without the Zeke Elliott, eight touchdowns. Nine interceptions last year with Ezekiel Elliott, 14 touchdowns and four picks. So yeah. you tell me when Ezekiel Elliott's back there that Prescott just can't go back to being the same guy he was in his rookie season. Of course he can. You know, that's interesting because I talked, I don't know who it was earlier this week. We had a chat about how Dak was being underrated. But it doesn't make any sense. The, the logic is so 
bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, because the logic is, oh, he had a bad year last year and, and whatever it is. And how is that going to affect Ezekiel Elliott? Like, no, no. When Ezekiel Elliott is on the field, Dak Prescott is a good quarterback yep. or, or at least a serviceable one and who doesn't make mistakes, who's very efficient. It's the same guy you saw with him the whole full season where you took Elliott away. That's when everything went south because the rest of that team isn't good and it's not. <laughs> like, it's they, not. They, have, they have a lot of issues in a lot of spots on both sides of the ball. Okay, let's get down into and a lot of rage, John. It is a lot of rage. You're you're, yeah, you're and it's early you're, in the morning, and I'm just fired up. You are fired up today. I like it. Fired up. There's <laughs> there's no you know no boring chatter today. Not at all. No, no. All right, so let's get to rounds three and four. Right? Maybe you got two. Maybe you got one running back and one wide receiver early. Maybe you got two wide receivers early. Whatever it may be. Now you get into round three, four. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at McKinnon, Henry, Shady, Collins, Ajay, Miller, Drake. Now we're in round four. Freeman, Ingram. Where the rubber hits the road, John. Yep. What, do you, what do you like here? Who, who jumps out at you saying, man, if I got that guy in round three or four, I would love this. Well, I have a lot of mix in shares who's right, you know, right before the third round, too. So if he should slip because people are sour on him, he's still, to me, the most raw talent running back in that class from last year. They just have their head completely up their rear end over there in Cincinnati. So hopefully that gets unstuck enough just for Mixon to play more. And I think that will happen this year. I'm going to jump in on this for real quick. Yeah, sure. No, absolutely. What my hesitation with Mixon is that. I think Gio Bernard is too good of a player to not get a decent amount of time. You're probably right. But the thing is, he's on, I think this is the last year of his contract. So you better figure out if Mixon is your guy or not. Yep. Okay. Then I think when it comes down to money, some of those decisions get made that way where it's like, all right, Gio's kind of on the way out here. We need to figure out if Mixon can be this guy because if he can't, then next year in the draft we got to start from scratch again, or we got to figure out something else. Uh, I I love McKinnon, but I love McKinnon in the kind of role he was in last year, where you saw him. I don't think he carried the ball more than 15 times ever in a game last year. Maybe once he had 16, but then as the year tapered on, you saw a lot more Latavius Murray and him sprinkled in there. So I'm always skeptical of him. McCoy's got that shadow over him with all this stuff going on, which is if that's not the weirdest thing that Weird. whole. I mean. Wow. Like I've heard, we've heard a lot of NFL story. We've been around a long time now, <laughs> you and I. We're officially old, I think, in this world. I, I, this is definitely one of the weirder ones I've ever heard. I can't even get there. I'll tell you the guy for me that I think is getting a lot of undue hate, and it's Kenyon Drake. Mm-hmm. Do you know Kenyon Drake led the league last year in yards after contact? Did you know that? Most people don't know that. He's an explosive player. He is a guy that doesn't need to touch the ball 25 times in order to be useful in fantasy. And I look at Jay Ajayi, who I don't think is very good at football. And I look at Alex Collins, who was very streaky up and down. And Lamar Miller, who's who's perennially underwhelming. And these kind of guys in this three to four range. And I look at Kenyon Drake, and I'm just not buying this whole Frank Gore is the starter, too. And that's a bunch of nonsense. Adam Gase's job is on the line here. He got a pass last year because Tannehill was hurt. Kenyon Drake is is your opportunity. And I understand people being skeptical, but it's gone so far to the other end for me, John, where I look at it and I go, come on, guys. I mean, he, he has absolutely all the abilities to have running back one type games every now and then. And then I think that's what you're looking for in an RB two or three. You're looking for a guy who can, who can do that. If you can get him as your third running back, that's brilliant. I don't like to leave the fifth round without three running backs personally. And Ingram is another one too, where I've seen him slip. You know, I, I see his ADP here around four twelve, but still for me, I don't know, man. Like I, I look at Evan, I mean, excuse me. I look at Mark Ingram and, and to me, there's a guy that yeah, I've seen go way later than that in most drafts that I've seen because people are afraid to start in the hole or start from behind. But early on is is when you can take these Carsons and Burkheads for a couple of weeks and see what happens and fill it in until you get Ingram back. And October 1st comes real fast. So I agree with you on Drake. I, I think Frank Gore— you and, You're on an island with me. You and I, well, that's it. It's just it, us. I think Gore <laughs> will be a nuisance. But if there was no Gore— and Drake was the clear-cut guy, we'd be drafting him a lot higher than the beginning of round four. Probably. Probably you know? he'd probably go right after Mixon or yeah. before Mixon. I mean, he'd be so- in round two pretty firmly. I mean, you know, the, 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 the Frank Gore nuisance is baked into Drake's draft slot right now for me. 
It is. And I think it's unfair because we have to be honest with ourselves here. He's a 35-year-old running back. And running backs who are close in age to me, I'm skeptical of. <laughs> like, it's right. just, you know, he's there to he's there to help out. He's there to take a little pressure off. And maybe, yeah, maybe he'll be annoying, you know, get a couple touchdowns at the goal line here and there, and you'll, you know, piss and moan and want to throw something at the TV. But, you know, overall, if you, we got to be playing for the long term here. How does the, you know, how does week 9, 10, 11 look for yeah. Kenyon Drake? You know, and, and you got to think it's going to work out for him. Right. And, and, and you got to think that even if there's some more of a share than you want it to be early, there's way more chance that Drake runs away with this than that Drake loses the job to Frank Gore. I mean, the chances of that happening seem minuscule. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Jay Ajayi, look, Clement is hanging around there. Uh, I saw him in the preseason. I'm continuously unimpressed by Jay Ajayi. I think it's a red flag when a team trades you in the middle of the season and you're supposed to be their number one running back. Uh, and I think Derrick Henry's getting another one too, like Drake, is getting too much negativity. You know, Deion Lewis signing is, is a great little signing. That's fine. But riddle me this. Like, where are these guys who leave the Patriots who are so successful in the Patriot system who go on and just blow the doors off of everybody else? Because I've been a Patriots fan for 20-something years, and I haven't seen it. Yeah. You know, Deion Branch left. Nobody cares. This guy left. Nobody cares. Like, it just doesn't happen. Deion Lewis was special because he was special in that Patriots offense and the way they carved that rollout for him. That doesn't translate everywhere. And Derrick Henry... You know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to try to tackle that man. No, I don't want to either. I would stay far. I love that picture of him and Deion Lewis together. It never gets old. It never gets old. (laughs) It's fun because it's created so many, you know, meme type things where the twins meme is my favorite. Smaller and smaller people next to him. Yeah, Um, Schwarzenegger Dan DeVito one is my favorite. That's that. That's where you always got me at the cheesy '80s movies. That's where you have. Um, All right, let's go to round seven or eight. Okay, so you've got your. Let's say you're starting to fill your bench. Um, you probably have your flex or your third wide receiver or whatever you have your league setup is. And you're starting to build your bench. And I'm looking here. And, and I think what I want to do is remove Chris Carson from the equation. Okay. Be- because I think so do I, this but- weekend, <laughs> yeah, I know, I, I think his draft slot is going to, he, he's sort of, he's such a wild card right now that I don't think you can trust that he's a seventh round draft slot right now because I think people read the news draft this weekend, Chris Carson's going to go higher than this. Whether he should or not is another story, but I think he will. So let's just humor me. Let's keep him out of it. Okay. Um, Unless you love him, and we can talk about that, but um, so seven, eight. We're not going to waste people's time with Chris Carson. Yeah, it's one of those people all summer I talk about too much. I'm Um, still on the Kenny Drake Island. That's that's me. (laughs) So we've got Jamal Williams, we've got Tevin, Carlos Hyde's here, Crowell's here. Now we're CJ Anderson, who's a sidekick. Terry Cohen, who's a sidekick of a different type. Aaron Jones is in here, Chris Thompson's in here. Maybe we can throw Nick Chubb in here too, who's a little slipping around nine. Anybody in here you're looking at, you're going, yep, that's my guy. Well, you, you know, the, just just on the one-off when you, when you mention um, CJ Anderson, the, the thing to keep in mind with him is, Look at the role that was available in the offense last year to Jonathan Stewart, who is older, who is not as productive, and yet had plenty of, what do you have, 200 attempts last year? Something like insane number, I think, off the top of my head. And if C.J. Anderson's a younger version of him, he's still going to be useful. So if you're in a deeper league and you're looking for running back, C.J. Anderson type running back is still going to have some fantasy value. Uh, and a more consistent weekly fantasy value than I think other people realize. Um, when I'm looking at, at this group, too, you know, to me, I, I see guys, you know, you talk about Chris Thompson and um, that whole scenario in, in Washington is just complete cluster right now. It really comes down to format and volume for me. I think a guy like Crowell, who might not be the greatest, most inspiring running back you've ever seen, when it comes down to volume, Crowell's a guy that I think is going to get a lot of a weekly attention where you know he's going to get 15 to 20 carries and he's going to get a couple catches as well. And he's not the worst pass catching running back. He's certainly far from the best too, but the jets have no choice there. The, don't give me the Bilal Powell stuff. I don't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear it last year. It's not a thing. Uh, and who are some of the other guys here you have mentioned here? I know you mentioned um, Cohen. Are you in the half PPR or the full PPR? Uh, I'm actually standard? on standard. Let, let's I'm going to switch to half PPR. Okay. okay. Yahoo's no, no, that's that. fine. I just I'm because the standard, you know, that that's changes because 
CJ Anderson in the standard is certainly one too who, you know, I don't see Christian McCaffrey running around like goal lines. You know what I mean? I right. just I don't see that happening. But if you're talking about seventh round and running backs and then that kind of where you're looking for uh those kind of dudes, I think Carlos Hyde's another one to me that when you think and I do, that Baker Mayfield is the future and the future's gonna start sooner than later for this Browns team, then they're gonna want to give him the veteran running back. And I know Chubb is the sexier guy, but to me, Carlos Hyde, as long as he stays healthy, is going to keep that job for most of the year, unless he's absolutely dreadful, which I don't think he's going to. So Hyde, for me, is one of those guys. C.J. Anderson's another one of those guys for me. And I'll tell you what, if you're in a full PPR, a guy like Duke Johnson, who every year his role yeah. is the same, and yards are yards, and it doesn't matter what Hyde does or Chubb does or anybody else, Duke is going to be Duke. And I think that's a guy that gets you know, every year undervalued and underlooked because of his all-purpose ability and his role in the offense. It's not going to change. It is who he is, and and that's great. He can succeed there. But I think Carlos Hyde is one. I think C.J. Anderson, those are two guys that I would make investments in because I think there's going to be volume, and I think there's a real reason for them in that offense. They had a real opportunity, those Carolina Panthers, and we talk a lot about them today to move on here with the Stewart role and just go all McCaffrey and maybe some other veteran kind of guy. They could have gone with a Gore-type guy. They didn't. Yeah. They went with a guy coming off a 1,000-yard season for the first time in his career who's still relatively young in C.J. Anderson, who I don't love, but I love as the guy who doesn't have to be the guy carrying the ball and carrying the offensive load for the team. Yeah, but the, and they keep talking about McCaffrey's workload getting bigger, which – I mean, uh, want some smoke. I think. Oh I think well, that Von Rivera spoke about thirty touches a game. Yeah. He could, he could take that and stick it. That's never going to happen. Hilarious. It doesn't happen to almost anybody. outside of the Todd Gurley's of the world. It's like when Christian McCaffrey becomes Todd Gurley, let me know. Exactly. All right. So late, late, you're filling out your roster. You go for your, I don't know, fifth running back. You're at the end. Whether it's a, all right, when you're down there, is for you, is it a, is it a flyer or are you trying to find a, the highest floor possible? I'll give you an example, and, and you don't have to pick one of these guys. But when you get down deep, do you swing for the fences with a backup like Matt Breida? Or do you say, you know what, let me try to go for a high, a guy that I think could be a plotter and get eight touchdowns like Latavius Murray? Uh, I'll tell you, the way I've been going late, and, and I am a, as I said earlier, I don't like to leave the first five rounds without three running backs. And I don't care what slot I'm drafting from. That's how I go. And I usually go back-to-back running backs, if not three in a row to start. And that doesn't matter what the league is. It's just those bell cows are there. There's few of them. They're very valuable. If you can get them, you're in good shape. And it helps you because it helps you avoid needing one of these guys to hit late. But the guy that I like the most late, and I've already got a lot of shares of him, is Dante Foreman, who his draft stock has plummeted because of the, you know, the pup situation early on but there's still a lot of buzz that he's going to open the season potentially and even if he doesn't i just perpetually underwhelmed by lamar miller and foreman was a guy who i think last year had a shot to overtake him and injuries just didn't go his way and everything kind of went south there but for me there's another one of these second year guys i'd much rather be taking a shot on a second year guy like dante foreman than than a rookie uh i think doug martin is another one too that has some potential because He's in good shape. He's playing very well there in camp. And also, you've got a running back in Marshawn Lynch who's older. So the quotient for injury is higher there. So I think that's something to keep in mind also. I'm not one of these handcuffed guys. I don't like to waste that. But the other thing is, if you look at the ADP overall here, John, what you get is if you take those running backs early and often, and maybe you do throw a flyer on a foreman or even Latavius Murray who played well last year, or even Wilkins, too, who I think Jordan Wilkins mm-hmm. is none of these guys that's like shot up. You know, if you look at some of the wide receivers like Gallup, like Anthony Miller, like Marquise Lee, uh, even, you know, some of the Calvin Ridley who are in the same general 11 to 12 round range, they have far more upside. And and this is why you can make up ground at wide receiver late. Making up ground at running back is tough you're asking a lot but it's very easy to see a marquise lee having a good season or calvin ridley having a good season or even Gallup or or any of these guys i mean that's the whole point the point is if you put yourself in a position where running back is basically taken care of you can take shots and flyers on these wide receivers and i think the return on investment with them might be much higher than these running backs all right um yeah it's an interesting way to look at it because for the running backs you're you you need the opportunity to change 
for the guy right. to pick in that late. And the, the right. wide receivers, you need just a lot. Need and then you up. need them to play well on top of it. So you yeah. need multiple things to happen. You know, whereas D.D. Westbrook has a job. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, that's true. Michael Gallup has a job already. They, they're going to have jobs in this offense. All right, folks, Fantasy Football Evolution is back for 2018 and better than ever. You spoke and we listened. We've had a mock drafting, moved the championship final to week 16, and made setting up a private competition a snap. Join us and play the game you love as it was meant to be played. Fantasy Football Evolution's unique three-stage format delivers the best of season-long football without the never-ending drafts or late-season absentee owner and waiver-wire antics that can develop in traditional leagues. Play as an individual or be the commissioner of your own private league. You'll get 16 weeks of action for just $27. You could be the next Fantasy Football Evolution $25,000 champion. Maximize your chances by owning multiple teams. There's an optional auto draft and lineup assist that can help you manage them with ease. Again, I keep saying, don't do auto draft. I mean, you can, but don't. It's all here. What are you waiting for? Register now, fantasyfootballevolution.com, and join the evolution. Availability varies by states. Visit fantasyfootballevolution.com for details. Okay. Wide receivers are next. So we've got a, let's say we've got a top tier of two. Antonio and Hopkins in round one. Agreed. There is some hesitancy about Odell. There seems to be some hesitancy about Julio. Um, thank you, Steve Sarkeesian. <laughs> um, <laughs> second round, you got... All right. I mean, Odell might be sneaking first. In this ADP, he's in half PPR, he's first round. You got Odell, you got Julio, you got Michael Thomas, you got Keenan, you got Devante, you got AJ Green. There's sort of a tier there. Is there someone like... Now, it's probably easy to say... Hey, I like Odell and Julio the best, but you have to invest a little more. Where would you rather fall and who would you rather grab? Well, because I'm such a running back whore, John, I think <laughs> what I do is I'm going to look for Devontae Adams, who I think has the ability and the situation where he could finish third overall at this position. I don't think that's an impossibility to think he could have a better year than Beckham or Julio when you combine the touchdowns and combine the yardage, especially with Jordy Nelson gone. That, to me, is is not an issue. And it's not only as well addition by subtraction because, you know, Cobb is still there. He's still got Allison. He's got guys around him. So it's it's a matter of the way the offense is built and the way Aaron Rodgers likes to play. So for me, Devontae Adams being the cheapest is where I'd like to go. AJ, I like it more than A.J. Green because A.J. Green is also one of these historical guys who's limited by the rest of the talent on the team. The other wide receivers on this team are not good. And the quarterback is another mediocre guy. So, you know, AJ Green will have big time games, but then he'll go quiet for three, four weeks at a time. And that's that's a problem. Now, in best ball, it's different. Best ball, I can live with AJ Green. I'm, I'm OK there. But on a weekly basis, guys like Adams, guys like Keenan Allen, just the constant volume, Michael Thomas was incredibly consistent. Those guys are who you build around. But to me, I'm going the cheapest of this route, and it's Devontae Adams, and it's and it's an easy one for me, too. Played terrific last year, very consistent in terms of touchdowns every year, which is what you want. And, and in terms of red zone uh, applicability, that's where you go. And he's got arguably the best quarterback uh, in fantasy going, so why not take Devontae Adams, who's going to be the number one weapon, especially with no running game? None. He's, he's been a very popular uh, uh, breakout option. Not that mm-hmm. he hasn't been good already, but... Well, I will stop my my running back bust for DeAndre Hopkins. And okay. I did it in the fishbowl. And he made... I was... Gosh, I think I was 10 in the fishbowl or something like that. I think it was a 10th out of 12. And I took Melvin Gordon first, as I would be one to do. <laughs> and then it wrapped around and somehow DeAndre Hopkins made it back to me. And there's no way I'm not taking that talent there. And I figured it out. And then I got Jordan Howard, I think, at the, at the third. So I still was able to get my two running backs in the first three rounds. But... You know, when a talent like DeAndre Hopkins slips into the second round, you're just nuts not to take him. Right, I agree. He is so good. <laughs> like, right. You know, even when you watch him with these awful quarterbacks in years, and you watched him, it's, it, it like it hurt my soul to watch him when he would catch a ball from one of the awful quarterbacks before Watson, and he would make a move, and you're like, wow, <laughs> like he's so good. They're like, right. why can't this happen all the time? So, uh, by the way, in fishball, I I was I had fifth pick in my draft. And I so got, did you end with Brown or you went DJ? I got DJ because Brown went first. Wow. Yeah. Anthony Miko from Rotoviz took Brown first. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So, all right. And, and that's understandable. If you're going to do it, I think one is the easiest place to take Brown because then when you get the turn coming back to you at one, if you're going to do it, you know you've put in a floor consistently every week of what Brown's going to do. 
you can double up and running back on the way back. And, you know, it might not be the greatest group, but it's going to be two guys that are decent enough. It's going to be a Mixon and Howard or something like that. And I, that's that's fine. You know, he actually got, I'm actually looking at it. He did. Oh, no, he went wide receiver. He did A.J. Green and Devontae Adams. So he just went balls to the wall, a wide receiver. Now, you know, that scoring is a little wacky because you also get points for first down yep. in the fishbowl. All right. Now, then, what's his running back look like? Ready? Yeah. Okay. So then fourth and fifth, he went T.Y. and Amari Cooper. So he went five wide to start. Okay. Um, so he's just going all out. So he's just slumming. Then he's Lamar, just Lamar Miller, then Jordan Reed. Where's the second running back? I, I think I might be the second running back. It's I very possible. Andy Dalton, Jack Doyle. He just went zero RB the whole time, basically. I might have to get him on here to talk about this because I knew I knew it before. <laughs> but this is an interesting. Well, got to have a running back somewhere because you got to fill out the roster spots. Yeah, hold on. I mean, if you're going to do it, look. It, it, here's the thing, and this is why I talk about in the black book all the time too. It's about being great somewhere. Now he's great somewhere. He's got a first class group of wide receivers who are going to carry him week to week. The only trouble is the inconsistency sometimes of targeting. You know which. Antonio Brown doesn't have inconsistency, but most of the other guys do from week to week. Running backs are always, for the most part, those big-time guys are going to get around their 20 carries and X number of targets. It's built into the game plan, right. whereas the other stuff with wide receivers is about game flow and about game situation and also about matchup, whereas running back is not. Running back is about game plan. Got so, it. All right. Yeah. yeah so, he, by the way, I'm looking. I'm sorry. I got a little distracted there. It's Lamar Miller and then, and then Chris Ivory is his second running back. Yeah, that's bad. So it's Eichler, Brita, <laughs> Ivory, um, Terrence West. And what he did too is he also drowned the pool for everybody else, which means everybody else force they it forced their hand to go take running back uh, wide receivers earlier than they wanted to because he took them all. Correct. So you know it's an effective strategy if you can do it. But see, I think where he went wrong is you get those first three, and you've already got such an enormous advantage. If he had probably not gotten greedy there and just gone running back for the next three picks or what have you, he probably could have figured it out with a bunch of guys that would probably in PPR get it done. You know, I can, I can be a zero RB guy. Sometimes I think this is a bit extreme, but it's interesting. If he went Hyde and CJ Anderson and a bunch of those non sexy, boring, Oh my God, snooze, whatever running backs. That would have been fine. That would have mm-hmm. been a, a team that I'd fear to tell you the truth. All right, let's go to, um, four, fourth round ish. Fourth roundish. Now we are. Uh, you could. Mari Cooper might fall there for you. Not for me. Not for you. Bye, Mari Cooper. <sighs> See ya. Don't want anything to do with that guy. Demarius Thomas, what? Josh Gordon, who's an interesting case. Um, Juju, Allen Robinson, Golden Tate, maybe Jarvis Landry. Who, who I love Landry. There? Besides Mari Cooper, who you hate. I love Landry. Yeah. I, you know, the guy led the league in receptions last year. He's got incredible hands. He's going to have. <laughs> Everyone wants to say, oh, he's gone to the Cleveland Browns. And I said to myself, well, what kind of quarterback was he playing with in his career with the Dolphins? Yeah. I mean, can somebody tell me how good that quarterback play was? Was it as good as Tyrod Taylor or potentially Baker Mayfield? I don't think so. Uh, So Jarvis Landry, to me, another guy just getting way too much hate. Uh, Golden Tate is one for me in PPR. Uh, uh, I can certainly get behind. I think Allen Robinson will get better as the year goes on. I think that whole Bears offense potentially with Nagy over there, I'm very excited about. The problem is I think it takes time for them to gel. So although I think maybe Burton can be useful right away with the young quarterback, I think Trubisky and company take a little bit of time collectively, and they're more of a group I'd like to trade for than to draft. Um, to me, Demarius Thomas, another one, do you just look at him and you go, okay, that's that's a, a stud there. Juju's a, a terrific player and certainly a likable one. I just find it hard to believe he can go past what he did last year in yeah. that offense just because I just don't think there's enough balls for him. Right. You know, that that was great. What he did was great. If he gives you that again, awesome. But this projectability factor, people want to give him more than that, I think is a dangerous game. I think my favorite quote I read this week was from uh, the Bears head coach, Matt Nagy. Was he, there was talking because someone asked him in camp saying, you know, hey, Trubisky – you notice he's throwing downfield a lot and not checking down much. Will that change? Will he start checking down more? And, he, and Matt Nagy was like, no, man, not in this offense. That's not going to happen. <laughs> and it might not. But you know what? <laughs> to Burton's credit, that's a guy that runs good routes. Yeah. That's a guy. Another guy has good hands. And, you know, I, I think when you get to the red zone, you're going to see a lot of Trey Burton in there, too. And uh, I think it's a, it was a perfect fit. It was one of my wish lists of players I want to go to teams. And he went there and I rejoiced. Uh, but 
you know, this this idea of taking the risk on Josh Gordon, I still think is nuts. They got Dez visiting Cleveland this week too. It's just such a liability. Even if Gordon does come back and play, he has to be good, and he also not has to not have another episode of something. You're it's right. just asking a lot. He's you know? risky. Oh, risky doesn't begin. <laughs> He's beyond the usual risky. Yes. At at, at four seven, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so six seven. Let's go around six seven. Okay. You're going for you, especially for you. If you're going three running backs off the off the top, this this is this is your area. I would think this is a sweet spot for you where you're going to try to find. You're going to make your hay at that position. All right. So we've got round six and seven. I've got Corey Davis here. I've got Sammy Watkins. I got Crabtree. There's a guy I'm not going to draft, by the way. Um, I'll, I'll take the other side on this one. That'll be fun. Okay. Why won't you take Crabtree? I'm curious, John. Just because I don't know. I, I Maybe it's because I don't see upside. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I see consistency out of Crabtree. Last year was a down year, but the two years before that were incredibly consistent. And even last year in the down year, the touchdown numbers were still in that eight range. And every year a guy's going to catch 900 you know, yards and, and have eight touchdowns. And who else is he going to throw to in Baltimore? John Brown? I mean, okay, maybe. But to me, you know, even if you think Flacco sucks, and that's fair, he's going to throw for somewhere around 3,500 yards. So why can't Crabtree get 900 to 1,000 of them as the number one target? I just don't see a, a universe where that doesn't happen. All right. So, again, not sexy, but not somebody's got to catch the ball. And, but, but I just don't know that I see. If, if what he did, and I don't know where he finished last year. Let me take a quick look. Well, last year was a bad year for that whole Oakland team. Everything just went to crap for that whole offense. You yes. know, it's just bad. But the two years ahead of uh, previously – Crabtree was one of the most consistent weekly options, whereas he was scoring you probably double digits every week for two years, and I'm just not ready to throw that away. Again, this this short-term memory loss people have, I think, is very dangerous. Uh, Another guy, too, who people couldn't get enough of last year, who's even past this group, that I have a lot of shares of, and everybody loved him. Oh, my God, everybody just wanted to be in the fan club so much last year, and then he got hurt, and now I feel like nobody talks about him, is Pierre Garçon. Everybody wants to talk about McKinnon. Everybody wants to talk about Goodwin. Everyone wants to talk about Garoppolo. But Garoppolo was so good with Goodwin because there was nobody else to throw the ball to. Pierre Garçon is a far better wide receiver. And in full PPR, I also have a hard time believing that Pierre Garçon's not going to catch 90 balls this year or somewhere in 90. that range. That's bit, well, Someone's got it there, right? Someone has to. If you think it's, – it's just – it's easy math. If you think Garoppolo is a real QB1, then he's throwing for 3,500 yards. He ain't throwing for 3,000. So if you believe that, and as much as Goodwin had some moments last year, it's still the tight end is still a work in progress. The running game is still a work in progress, and, and the health is a question. Pierre Garçon last year at this time, everybody was like, oh, love Pierre Garçon. Maybe he won't get a lot of touchdowns because the quarterback sucked, but man, he's going to get a ton of targets. So what's going to change? Do we not think he's going to get an incredible amount of like 130 something targets again? I mean, of course he is. All right. So you see, I'm taking the other side of that argument though. You're okay. Saying if you think Garoppolo is a top 10 quarterback, then the receipt, some receiver has to step up. I'm on the other side saying, I don't think Garoppolo is a top 10 quarterback because I don't think I like the weapon. That's fair. But even if he's, do you think he's a guy who's going to throw for 3,500 yards? 3,500. Yeah. That's not a lot of yards. So it's probably, not, but it's right. enough to make a thousand yard wide receiver. Yeah, it is. You're right. Somebody, because it's it's you know even in that offense the way it's structured. I'll tell you another guy too, Manuel Sanders, another short-term memory loss guy. Yeah. I own a ton of Manny Sanders shares. I mean, another guy that's a target monster, and Keenum is an upgrade, which is sad. <laughs> what do you consider all that? You know, but going go back and look at track record, look at the history a couple years ago, how consistent Emmanuel Sanders was, and you know I think he could slide right back into that role, and I think he fits a lot of the style of what Thielen did last year and that's a very exciting notion to me because i think sanders fits the same kind of mold as thielen and that's for case keenum i think right in his wheelhouse all right um so late late let's go late 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 who are you snatching up you mentioned a couple of guys early you mentioned calvin ridley you mentioned gallup you mentioned anthony miller am i on the right track with you here you are uh des bryant's another one too where i keep drafting him because I just he's gonna play. <laughs> like he's just he's twenty nine. He's not thirty five. He's gonna find a home. He's gonna play. My guess is gonna be with the Browns, and my guess is by the end of the week this will be a done deal. And he'll be in camp for the. I mean, he doesn't want. Okay, you know this is another thing you respect as you get older. I don't want to be running around if I'm Des Bryant at almost thirty in preseason practice nonsense. <laughs> I want to show up the last week of practice somewhere. 
get familiar with the offense, figure it out, catch some balls, and then I'll be fine. And then I want to go get my money. And and that's what he's going to do. So Des Bryant's another one for me that you can absolutely make up ground on. I think if we're in really, you know, the deeper leagues here with wide receiver, you know, Rashard Matthews, a guy I think constantly gets overlooked. Marquise Lee's another one that we talked about earlier that has some of that ability also. Uh, Sterling Shepard's one for me also that people, the argument is, well, there's just, you know, I'm so concerned because you got Beckham, you got Barkley. And I said, well, think about all the attention that those two guys are going to get and think about how single coverage Sterling Shepard's going to be for 16 games. And Sterling Shepard's already shown you single coverage. That's that's not a problem for him. So to me, there's there's opportunity there. Consistency might be a problem. But if you're talking about like another spot wide receiver where you can play matchups and maximize wide receiver, that's a great spot because you want to maximize wide receiver. You could do that when you play matchups. It's hard to do that with running back. It's a lot easier to do at wide receiver. Say this corner sucks. I'm playing Sterling Shepard this week. And even though I drafted him as my wide receiver five or whatever, you know, he's, he can play like a two this week and right. put up two. Dollars. Any, anybody else you got back there? Uh, DJ Moore, Mike Williams, another second year guy who everybody forgets. Everybody loved Mike Williams, right, John? Oh, yes. he's such a talent. Oh my God. And Philip Rivers. Oh my God. I can't, I can't possibly contain myself. I'm so excited. Then he got hurt and everyone's like, Mike who? Right. I, you know, and without Gates, which it's, I mean, this is dragged on here. I don't, I don't know. I mean, without a true red zone tight end presence. Right. As far as I'm concerned, Mike Williams becomes that guy. Okay. I mean, Mike Williams is – you try to play him one-on-one in, in a short space. <laughs> Let me see what happens there. That guy's a beast. I, I don't see – and that's not really Keenan Allen's thing, but it could be Mike Williams' thing in a big way. I think he might be one of these guys who catches three ga- three balls a game, but you know, one of them is a touchdown. It's just – People go, wow. <laughs> yeah, I th- I'm, I'm looking forward to him as a red zone target, too. I'm excited yeah. about that. It's one. like almost like the Martavis Bryant of a couple years ago for the Steelers, that kind of a player. Right. Where you go, oh, he's so touchdown dependent, to which I go, and? <laughs> that touchdowns are good, right. Last time, I, that's what we're trying to play for, right, kids? <laughs> like, I don't know. Scoring is good, right? I don't it's, know. It's awesome. I can't, People. I agree with you. Sometimes I fall into that trap that I can't, I say, oh, I can't depend on him getting all his touchdowns, but sometimes it just works out like Michael Crabtree. Well, if they're consistently getting touchdowns, yes. that means they're consistently looking for him in that vein, which is that's that's good, you know. All right, hey Joe, going to the, do you like going to the doctor? Uh, I actually try to avoid it at all costs. Right, I mean, you have to <laughs> I go. Feel, I'm going to go Game of Thrones style. That's that's how I go. You know, <laughs> if I'm going to go, you know, just winter is coming. When it's I go, I go, and then you can give me a a cool like you know, set me up on one of those things with a flaming arrow and like send me off into the water. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's annoying. You need to get out of work. You got to wait in the waiting room. You got to fill out forms when you get there. It's kind of annoying. All right. So uh, on a related note to that, sometimes people go to, you know, men, six, did you know 66% of men lose their hair by age 35? I was one of them, John. You were one of them? And you, and you just <laughs> yeah. went full shave. I did because I am, I embraced my, my inner Bruce Willis. Not everybody. And also not everybody has a nice shaped head. I happen to be lucky what God gives and takes away, yeah. you know, he gave me a good shaped head. Some people have the point. It's a little scary. Uh, yeah, you, you, ha- you do have a good bald head. I mean, you don't want the bald spot to pop up. You want to get it ahead of time, right? You don't want to wait till the bald spot shows up. Um, and people turn, like my friends did, turn to these solutions. Like, oh, I got to try this. I got to try that. I got to try anything. Fortunately, forhims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional, Joe. Optional. Well, sexual wellness sounds important. It does. I, I agree with you on that. That's, that's you know, not enough sexual wellness. That's what I say. That's a pretty solid thing to to make to sure be well at. Is yes. okay. Yeah. So forhims.com connects you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. There's generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions. It's not you know a shady you know weird. Oh hey, try this herbal whatever. You know just crazy weird stuff. They're prescription solutions backed by science and also no doctor visit. So you just go to forhims.com um, and it's just really, really easy. So order now. Listeners here get a free, tr- get a trial month of Hims for just $5 today, right now while supplies last. You can check the website forhims.com for full details. Now this would cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. So go to forhims.com slash rwfootball. Got it? That's forhims.com slash rwfootball. Again, forhims.com slash rwfootball. Thanks a lot, forhims.com. Everybody check that out, forhims.com slash rwfootball. All right, let's go to tight end. Uh, Gronk or Kelsey? 
uh, Gronk, because if you're going to pay, you might as well pay for the best. And as much as I'm intrigued by Mahomes and the arm strength, it's still going to be ups and downs. You're, you're giving me Tom Brady. See, what it comes down to also is Brady or uh, or Mahomes, and that's just that's a no-brainer for me. But even though I'm not going to pay for either of them, it's Gronk. Okay. Does, does Sammy Watkins' presence ding Kelsey for you? Um. <sighs> It doesn't ding Kelsey for me because I think, you know, the knock on Kelsey has always been he doesn't score touchdowns. And last year he scored touchdowns and now you took Alex Smith out of the equation. So I don't I'm just not sure what that rapport is and how that's going to all land. Plus, the biggest problem I have with the Chiefs is Matt Nagy's gone. Mm -hmm. And when Nagy was calling the plays at the end of last year, you saw how that offense was moving. You saw how good Kareem Hunt was and everything in between. And when Andy Reid was calling the plays, you saw in the middle of the year that six to eight game stretch, whatever it was, where it was death. It was absolute death. And everyone's uh, convinced that, oh, Andy Reid is going to, you know, Andy Reid's going to learn that lesson. Really? Because Andy Reid has learned so many lessons in his career of coaching, like about clock management. Like, <laughs> he's so good about clock management now that all these years later, he's better at it. I, I just, I can't, I can't get there. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Um, Let's skip over Ertz because he's an island unto himself. Yes, he he's a very consistent island unto himself, but but he's still, you know, I think he lacks that upside of the other two for yeah, sure, I'm, especially Gronk. I'm probably out. If I don't get one of the first two, I'm probably skipping over Zekertz. All yeah. those years that I got to Eckertz's production in round eight, I was happy. Now I don't think I want to go there. Um, and that's another guy, too, who never scored touchdowns until last year. Right. And then they put Godair in there, too, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, well— Jeez, <laughs> like just when you thought it was safe to go out again. Yeah, not. All right, so let's go. Let's go five, six, seven. So now you're at Jimmy Graham, who everybody seems to think is going to break the Packer tight end jinx. Um, Olsen's there at age 33. Um, was hurt a lot last year, and now the Panthers have more weapons. You got Evan Ingram. Uh, now you're in round seven. Rudolph, Delaney Walker. Maybe you can sneak Trey Burton up into this tier. He's going around eight and a half PPR here, but you know maybe he sneaks into seven. Anybody there you're looking at, you're going, yep, yep, yep. Uh, well, let's see. Jimmy Graham oh, has been hurt since he left New Orleans. I mean, every year. He's mm -hmm. always hurt all the time. And that's not even like the time he misses. He's also hurt when he's on the field. He's just always hurt. Uh, Greg Olson is, is frankly, older. You know, it's another year older. Evan Ingram was good, but now, you know, I mentioned Sterling Shepard. Same thing. He's going to have opportunities. But to ask him to do more than he did last year, like Juju, is asking a lot with all those other weapons now. So I think there's limitations there and a little bit too much upside and maybe New York bias against him uh, where people are higher. Oh, no, it happens. Believe happen? it or not. I know. It's yeah. crazy. As New York is, you wouldn't think it happens, but it does. Mm -hmm. You know, big media coverage, big guys. And the only story of the whole year, <laughs> one of the dreadful years, there's a lot of talk about you. Uh, for me, it's Kyle Rudolph. Okay. Because I think if you can look at Kyle Rudolph's 2016 and 2017 – and if you split the difference, that's a great return on investment as a seventh round tight end. That's okay. a great return. Somewhere around, you know, eight hundred yards and or seven fifty and eight touchdowns or something like that. That's a terrific investment. Uh, I tend to be the one who's going to wait, and whatever one of these guys falls to me, whether it be Rudolph, Walker, Burton, that's where I go in tight end. I know some people are excited about trying to take Jordan Reed. I understand why. I understand they see the upside. They see Alex Smith, who's been good with tight end in the past, but. You want to talk about injuries? Look, there, there's your there's your one where you take a Jordan Reed, but you better also take an Njoku. You better take somebody else like that or Eifert to back yourself up because maybe Jordan Reed hits, but there's a better chance he hits the bench with an injury. All right. Now let's go late, late. No, late, late. I mean, I mean, you mentioned Njoku. So right now, Doyle is on this board. Doyle's tight end 12. Joku's tight end 13. You can go beyond that. Um, you're getting to dicey territory probably. Oh, it's dicey out there. Yep. It's, um, it's, it's dicey out there. And I don't know. People love the Kittle too. Everybody's on the Kittle bandwagon. Everybody is. And his injury probably. Okay. Actually, it's someone last week. Um, who's here? Brandon Marion Lee mm -hmm. was all over Austin Safarian Jenkins. Well, he played well last year for the Jets. He should have had better numbers. Mm -hmm. He had at least three touchdowns called back that should have been touchdowns last year. When I was like, "Wow, that's the yeah." Well, he's on a bad streak there. And if you if you factor those three touchdowns back in and some more of those stats that went along with it, I bet people would be higher on him too. I I actually think that's a that's a decent one for sure. Uh, Tyler Eifert, everybody, you know, same thing. Oh well, he's too touchdown dependent. Well, does he score a touchdown every week? Well, pretty much, like. Maybe ten weeks out of the year. Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> it is pretty good. Like, 
you know, all you got to do to be a tight end one is catch a touchdown. That's it. You catch a touchdown, you're a t- tight end one that week. That's that's the sadness of the story. Njoku played very well last year. Uh, if in Considering the circumstances around Cleveland, if you watch him in preseason, and it's been fun to watch him on hard knocks too, and I think he's a, he's a smart kid. I think he's a hardworking kid. I think he's everything that you want to keep turning this organization around in. And no matter who the quarterback is, if it's Taylor or Mayfield, I think they'll be equally comfortable with him. So I think Njoku is a guy that could surprise if you're going to go outside the top 10. Okay. Um, no break for you? Uh, I'm a break guy. I've, I, I only break every year. I wish Winston was starting the year. That's yeah. my only kind of frustration. So I feel like, break you could pick up off the waiver wire when Winston comes back. Right. You probably can. <laughs> like, that's like, I don't want to waste the draft pick on him because I feel like no one's going to really draft him. And if they do, okay, fine. They're going to probably drop him in the first week or two to pick up somebody. He's like first man off the island. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, once Winston's back, it's Cameron Brake catching touchdowns again, I would think. All right. Um, uh, you know, we're going to wrap it up. We're at, we're almost an hour here. So I think that's, I think that's plenty. Much as I'd like to talk to you all day. I think that's enough for people. I know. Likewise. Hopefully you're still listening, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they are. We're incredibly entertaining. Exactly. All right, folks, listeners here can get a free 10 day Rotowire trial, rotowire.com slash pod, no credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now. Rotowire.com slash pod. Um, fantasy football, black book, killing it, right? Yep, over on Amazon. You can get it for paperback or Kindle, number one in fantasy sports. And the Fantasy Black Book, also number one in football books for quite some time this summer, too. So take that, Nick Foles, and your Cinderella story. I got your Cinderella story right here, pal. Uh, So you can get your Black Book there on iTunes, on Amazon, uh, for Kindle or paperback on Amazon. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at JoePizzaPS17. There you go. That says it. Joe, thanks a lot for doing this. It was a great time. We'll do it again soon. Always, brother. Thank you. All right, folks. If you like the podcast, leave a review and a rating wherever you're listening. We'd really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'll be back on Friday uh, with another episode. I think Jake Seeley's coming in with me. Yay! That's right. He should always follow me. <laughs> I'm going to tell him you said that. <laughs> yeah, it's <for> you better. <laughs> All right. Come on back Friday. Listen to Jake Seeley and me. Uh, for Joe PCP, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.